good God. He always comes through. It doesn't even matter. It just doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what we do. It doesn't even matter what we think. Because, see, what God is, God is faithful to himself. I mean, he is. And if he made a promise to you, guess what? He's going to keep it. (laughs) He's always true. So I love it. Because even when I'm unfaithful, he's faithful. Man, what a rock to hang out on. What a rock. I like that. God, we love you this morning. We know you love us because your love has never felt. Your love for us has never depended upon our performance. It hasn't. And God, you love us not because we're lovable. (laughs) Not at all. But because that's your nature. And we receive that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Man, God is good. He's just so good. I like that. I like all those names, Jehovah Jireh and all that good stuff. It is so good to see you. I want you to know that. I want you to know how important it is for you to be here with us today to fellowship and to worship. And uh, I want to welcome you here uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, we had a great time the first service. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, now, 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 I also want to, want to say to you that, you know, I, I, I know people are, are still kind of getting that last vacation stuff in and traveling and all that good stuff because you know things kind of come to an end when you're watching tv commercials and all of a sudden somebody says you know back to school stuff i mean you start hearing that and you don't want to hear it you just don't want to hear it kids don't want to hear it. they even got a commercial of a young girl coming up on a bicycle saying hey i don't want to hear this back to school stuff but but that's kind of what happens when you get towards the beginning the middle of august and so look here continue to have your fun and we got a lot of things cooking I, I, I do want to just encourage you to continue to be involved in some of the things we do throughout the week. And we've got a Bible study, a midweek Bible study that is just awesome, man. We're meeting over at Jerry's house, and we're talking about the book of Revelation. I think after, I think we started in January. Uh, it's half a year, and I think we just got into the chapter 3. You know what I'm saying? So I think you're going to love it. If you're not doing anything, come on. Hang out with us. It's good stuff. And we're getting it line for line, word for word. People get a chance to participate. There's some other things that are going on, small group, discipleship stuff, all of that. Please get involved in that. Now, I do want you to know that we're not that far away from telling you where the new building or the new land is going to be. We're not that far away from that. We're going to be having a retreat this weekend. I think we might have it nailed down. Now, we're talking about paying for this for cash now, cash money on the barrel, no more mortgages or anything like that. And so we're kind of close. We just want to make sure it's where God wants us to be. And so you're going to be hearing about it. You're going to be hearing some people communicate that with you here towards the end of August, and it's just good. And so, But I also want you to know that next Sunday, this hour, you're going to have the entire CSU football team here along with the coaches, their wives, and kids. And I want you to know that Coach Bobo is a is a is a family guy. I mean, everybody on uh, his 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 uh, coaching staff probably got three kids and above. I want you to know there's a whole bunch of them. So if, so we may need some help. You know, in the nursery or the, the youth ministry <laughs> next Sunday, because they all will be here this uh, time uh, next Sunday. They, they do it. Uh, they've been doing it the last couple, three years. We want to just welcome them. So if you want to help in some way next week, we want you to know that. Now, before we get into our word today, I want you to know that, you know, after 35 years of ministry, I found that the first third of my life in ministry was really learning how to follow. 
I was at First Christian Church for 13 solid years there learning what it meant to follow. When people would tell you to do something, you did it. You, you know, and I want to say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot lead unless you have learned how to follow. And I really mean that. Don't say you've learned how to follow and you're still sitting up here, still trying to lead some people. You've never done that before. And I spent 13 years doing it, doing it up under another man's vision, another man's will. Well, and the second, the third part, the second third of my life of ministry has been building a church. And, and Ilses, you know, is 25 years old now. And, and, uh, you know, she, she, she's at a good place in her development and all of that. And, 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 but, but, but the last third, which I'm beginning now, Rick and I, we're getting ready to plant churches, ladies and gentlemen. Rick has already been out. We're going to be planting them and, you know, from, from Pueblo all the way up to Wyoming and all the way up to Cheyenne, uh, as well as Laramie. And I'm excited about that. You're going to be hearing more and more about that. Uh, you know, in the weeks to come, and I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, last week I told you something, and we talked about grace and action. This week we're getting ready to talk about attitude and action. Attitude is a big deal. I mean, it's a huge deal. Now, let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever been blindsided? Have you, have you ever heard something or somebody did something like, uh, it hit you, man? And all of a sudden, your reactions are huge. What you decide to do at that moment is bad. So what we've been doing starting last week is talking to you about what real freedom is. And it has nothing to do with finances, has nothing to do with passion, uh, it has nothing to do with power. Because real freedom says no matter what happens to you, no matter what comes down, your attitude towards it is huge. We're going to show you that. Because we showed you grace in action first. Now we're getting ready to show you an attitude in action. I had something happen to me this week. And I mean, it was boom, boom, boom. Because you sit up and you preach a message, and then next week you, you experience that message. Sometimes I like to experience it before I preach it, okay? So when it happened to him, I go, wow, man. I mean, this thing hit me hard, real hard. And I said to myself, you know what? I've been preaching on grace in action. I am not going to react that way. My first response is not going to be mine's. I'm going to let God have this thing. And let me tell you something. In less than 24 hours, it was solved. So all of a sudden, if I would have reacted the way I wanted to be reacted, guess what? I'd have had a lot of human, unnecessary emotions going nowhere. It wouldn't have benefited me. It wouldn't have benefited my wife. It wouldn't have benefited my home. It wouldn't have benefited anybody. It would have just been emotions running rapid. It would have been basically foolishness. And so here's what we're doing. We're talking about true freedom. Real freedom. Freedom that no matter what circumstance you're in, it won't bother you. That's real freedom, ladies and gentlemen. Freedom in the sense that the power that you have in the midst of it will never be misused. Freedom in the sense that the passion that you have towards getting something, it won't phase you. Freedom in the sense that the possessions that you own, you will never be shaken. By what you have and what you don't have. Real freedom. And so what I'm going to do is set this up by telling you about the homework that I asked you to do last week. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you did it. I'm not going to police you. Okay. Because I told you last week I want you to go home and look at Luke 638. 
I want you to understand why Luke 6.38 was Luke 6.38. When God was telling us, hey, I want you to love those who, who hate you. I want you to do good to those who, who persecute all that. I want you to, I want you to read that. And, and, and God is talking about, you know, the, 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 the way you, uh, somehow things hit you. Guess what? Now watch this. I gave you the four R's last week. When things hit you, it tries to reverse how you're feeling. It's tried to reverse. And when that thing hit me this week, it tried to reverse my whole day. My whole week. And then the second thing I had to learn what was, was how to retaliate. God says, don't not retaliate, but when you retaliate, you retaliate with what? Kindness. And then the third thing was this. When you do it the way God wants you to do it, when somebody gives you something that, that that's not good, you want to get a rate of exchange back that's greater than what they gave you. And then the fourth thing that you wanted to learn was there's a reward in it, man. And so when I wanted you to read Luke 6.38, I want you to do that because also we're going to be looking at what? 2 Corinthians 89. Because I want you to understand when you start talking about possessions and things, it's no big thing other than the fact that all you're talking about is money. Your time and your talent is important too. And then we wanted you to read Philippians 2, 5 through 8, of which we're teaching on today. Because we want you to understand the second part. And that's having the right attitude. Now, I want you to know some of this is marriage counseling, so get ready. Okay, I just want you all to know that. <laughs> some of it has a lot to do with relationship with kids and dads, you know, moms and kids and all that kind of stuff, how we react, all that stuff, all of that. You can say amen anytime. Okay, I can say what I want to say because my wife goes to the first service. I'll talk about her less in the first service, but in the second service I can talk about her all the time, you know. And, and so, but I, was just, I mean, I love Vicky. Y'all know that, but but uh, uh, she knows that. I, I hope she knows that. But but well, but but now, when we, I want to show you something today that is critical. Here's what I want to show you: your attitude affects God. Huge. Your attitude. It's big. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Philippians 2. And then I'm going to show you something out of Philippians 2 that's going to take us over to Malachi. I call him the uh, Christian Italian stallion, Malachi. Last book before you get to the New Testament. And then we're going to jump back into Philippians and look at how Paul talks about how he learned something. And what I'm going to ask you to do today is to check your attitude. Just check it. Because you know what? God looks at it all the time. Now let's look at this. Let's read Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. It says, now, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of man, and being formed, being found in the image of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death. On the cross. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a statement to you in just a moment. But what I want to do is show you two words that's really is 
the epitome of God's heart. And, and one of them here is the word called attitude. When you look at it in what Webster says, it's the same thing that is said in the Greek because attitude is not letting one's opinion of himself exceed the bounds of modesty. So he's talking about fake piety. He's talking about crocodile tears. He's talking about that kind of stuff. Well, on the outside, you really think you got the good attitude. Because there's another word that goes along with attitude here. It's called humility. And the word humility is this. Now, I want you to understand something. Humility does not make you a second-class citizen nor a doormat for people to walk on. But let me tell you what true humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Now, watch this. But thinking of yourself, less. Did you get that? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. But it's just thinking of yourself, less. So, 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 so what God is asking is that when you have the right attitude, you're going to learn something. Because I gave you last week the four, a, the four R's. Today, I'm going to give you the four A's about attitude. But before you do that, we've got to have you understand, first of all, what Philippians 2, 5 through 8 means. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump over to Malachi, but here's the statement that I need to make you. This is the statement of today. Every believer can experience true freedom. Every believer can experience true freedom when they let grace dictate their attitude. Every believer can learn how true freedom when they let grace dictate their attitude. Why is that? Because when a man and a woman understands that God gave them something that they don't deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, we deserve condemnation. We deserve judgment. And so the description that grace gives in this very makeup is this. Grace is two things. Grace gives us something that we don't deserve. Instead of judgment, we get mercy. Grace also, watch this, gives you the ability to do something that you can't do on your own. Grace comes in and says, look, you don't have to try to live the Christian life. I'm going to live it through you. See, grace takes pressure off of you. So when Jesus came in John 1, and it says that we observe uh, him, and he was full of what? Grace and truth. He brought grace. So it's the Holy Spirit that lives, lives, the, uh, lives the Christian walk through you. It's a grace thing. But because of that, we should then have a different attitude. Because I got something that I didn't deserve. It gives me the ability to do something that I cannot do. Therefore, now my attitude is dictated by that. My attitude basically says I walk in humility because of that. I don't think of myself you know, uh, as a less person. But now I just think of myself less. It's not about me anymore. Church, are you with me so far? Okay. Now watch this. We're going to go look at this whole attitude thing. Now I want you to know when I looked at Malachi. Now Malachi is the last book before the New Testament. And most of the time when people come at you about money, about giving and things like that, They'll read Malachi 3.10 and they'll talk to you about tithe and all that kind of stuff. And it's good stuff. But let me say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. If you're free, then you're not power hungry. 
See, if you're free, then your passions don't run rapid. If you're free, then the possessions that you have do not control you. So whether we're talking about time, talent, you, 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 you know, and, and possessions, it doesn't make any difference. Because when a man is in Christ, he's free. He's truly free indeed. Well, here's why this book made me nervous. Okay? Because, see, Malachi is a book that's speaking to priests. Now, when I first read it, it scared me because I was a pastor. And he was getting on those people who were supposed to be a representative before God and being the people's representative before God as well. And I began to read this, man, and I got nervous. But before we even talk about power, possessions, uh, you know, and passions, most people do not read the first chapter of Malachi. Now, uh, it, 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 it answers a question in a question-answer phase, but I just want you to listen to this. Because before we can go back to Philippians 2 and begin to read verse 5, we need to understand this attitude stuff. Now, watch this. We're going to the first chapter of, of, of Malachi. We're going to jump over to the third chapter, sixth verse, and then we might read the tenth verse. But here's what it says. It says, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. He says, I have loved you. Now, this is question and answer, you know, rhetorical, says the Lord. But you say, how has thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declared the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau, and I had made his mountains of desolation and appointed his uh, inheritance for the jekylls of the wilderness. And you need to understand that these guys were born practically at the same time, and Jacob pretty much swindled Esau out of his inheritance. He was the firstborn, and this man gave his inheritance away over a meal. And guess what, man? God hated him for it. He says, man, you don't understand the importance of your inheritance. And he says, yeah, I love Jacob, but I hate Esau. Why? Because Esau did something that was not good. Now, watch this. I just want to hold you there, okay? Now, he's telling this to these priests because he's setting them up to tell them you did the same thing that Esau did. Now, watch this. He said, though Edom, now Esau, the word Edom is another word for Esau. He said, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear it down. Let me say it, ladies and gentlemen, there's so many things that have happened to our country. And as soon as it happened, the people say, you know what? No problem. We're America. We're going to rebuild. Let me tell you something. You can't rebuild without God. No big thing. We're just going to rebuild because we're America. I'm going to rebuild because I'm a man. I'm going to rebuild because I got all this money. God said, hold on. Look, when I tear it down, it's going to be towed down, man. And you're not going to build it up again. So he's telling these priests this. He says, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory and the people towards whom the Lord is indignant forever. And your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the borders of Israel. You need to understand he's upset with these guys because they are a nation that took privileges and turned them into rights. I wonder what's happened to America. That's what's happened. Man, he was a little upset with him. He was a little swole. He was a little swole with him. Some people may understand that. And then he makes this statement. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? He's getting on priest. 
He's getting on pastors. He's getting on leaders. And he's saying, you should know better. And then he moves on. This is what he's saying. He's trying to encourage him a little bit. He says, and if I'm a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you, O priests, how have we despised thy name? And watch this. You are presenting defiled food on my altar. But you say, how have we defiled thee? And that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is that not evil? Why do you, do you, do, why do you offer it to your governors? Do you do that? Who, uh, w- would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord. Now, now I'm not going to go all the way to verse 14. But what he's saying is, is look here. Try that kind of stuff on your boss and see what you get. Try that kind of stuff on the governor of this state and see what you get. Look, I see the governor twice a year with 12, 13, 20 pastors. And when that man walks in the room, man, he's got an entourage around him. And it's an entourage of honor. Of respect. And God is saying, when you bring disease sacrifice to my altar, when you don't bring your best and you give the world your best, you give your boss your best, two things have happened. You've gotten lazy and you got a bad attitude. That's what's happened. And I want you to understand something, man. I read this some 15 years ago, and became scared to death. Just scared. Uh, am I my church changing my Lord? Am I, when I come to worship God, am I just, you know, I'm giving the world more worship than I'm giving you. I love my sin more than I love you. And I got nervous. And the problem was, he said, look, you just got a bad attitude. You got lazy on me. You're not giving me your best anymore. And so when you get over here and look at what grace is really about, you start understanding, okay, man, I need to appreciate that very one who didn't condemn me, who didn't judge me, but who graced me. And what I'm giving him is a bad attitude. Now, I want you to understand something, man. I've been married 37 years. And, and, and at any point that Vicky and I have ever had tension, even if the, the ears, you know, nostrils flare, the ears fly back, man, I mean, it's fight. It, yeah, it's on now. It's got all to do with attitude. Because of the way that I look when I say something or the way she looked at me when she says something, man, it's like, come on. It's time, Okay. And, and, and let me tell you something. God doesn't like that. Because I said to myself today, when that thing blindsided me this week, I refuse to let it reverse my day. I'm just not going to do it. This happened between parents and kids. This happened between employee and employers. But God says, why do you treat me like that? Now, let me show you the 
beauty of this thing. Because the only reprieve that I got was in chapter 3. Are you are you traveling with me so far? Because we got to get back to Philippians 2. I just want you to know. And I've seen women do it to men. I've seen men do it to women. And it's just another form of manipulation is all it is. And, and my wife called me on, on that one time. You know. She, she called me on it. You, 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 you're manipulating me, man. I see husbands and wives do it to each other all the time when they want something. You know, I'm I'm just trying to be honest with you. Because what I'm talking to you about is freedom. And then then here's what I love about this. Here's what I love about this. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Y'all probably don't love it. I love it. Okay, now, in in, in in chapter 3, look look, look what he says. He says in verse 6, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons, Jacob, are not consumed. You know what he's saying? You better be glad that I am a covenant-keeping God. Because if I wasn't, I would blow your, excuse the language, butt out of here. But because I'm a gracious God, I'm not going to let your reaction change mine. I'm a good God. Hallelujah. Now he starts talking about how you robbed me. That's when verse 10 comes in and says, you return to me, I'll return back to you. You bring all the tide into the storehouse. You know what I'll do? I'll rebuke the devourer, man. And there'll be money falling out of the sky, and I dare you to test me on it. See, if you just go to 310 and start preaching that, but you don't preach verse 1, chapter 1, and find out how they got there because they had a bad attitude. And how can you solve problems in your marriage or in your business when your attitude is bad? Now, I just want to show you something, too, because here's another deal. Here's the deal where Paul in chapter 4 of Philippians Church, are you with the brother so far? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just preaching here because I just believe I know I'm messed up. I know there are times when my wife says something to me or something happens to me, and I'm ready to knock people out. But see, they don't see that because I'm cool. I, you know, I got poker face, baby. You can't tell. But deep down inside, man, my heart's going, man, I'm going to take him out. And there are times where I've said, does she know who she's messing with? This is me. I've been married to you for 37 years. You have to never say that to me. I'm a heart saying that. She don't know that. <laughs> See, well, y'all don't y'all don't do stuff like that, man. And, and so here's the here here's the beauty of this thing. Jump over to Philippians. Now we're gonna go back to Philippians too. But 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 there, there's something we need to do in Philippians four. Now now you need to understand in, in Philippians four, starting with verse ten. Here's the setup. Paul is actually in jail in Rome, writing a letter to the Philippians because of what they did for him when he was in Macedonia. Because Paul is using what the Macedonians to tell the Corinthians. When you read Second Corinthians. 89 about how this impoverished people outgave a filthy rich people in 
took her in because there was something wrong with their hearts. So here what you got is now. In the fourth chapter of Philippians, Paul writes back to these people because he's thanking them for what they did to him while he's not only in prison now in Rome, but when he was shortly in prison in Philippi. Hang out with me. We're getting ready to bring this ship home today, okay? We're going to just kind of bring it into the harbor, and, and we're going we're gonna to nail it right here. Now look at here, verse 10, chapter 4. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that not, but, but that now at last you have revived your concern for me, but you lacked opportunity. Let me say this to you, man. There's a lot of people concerned about ESs. There's a lot of people concerned about you. But in our concern sometimes, we don't have opportunity to do something about it. Paul says, man, you now had an opportunity to do something about what you were concerned about. I'm concerned about a lot of things. I'm concerned about a lot of people. But do I have the opportunity to do something about that concern? Paul is saying that to them. He said, indeed, indeed, you were concerned before, but you lack opportunity. Now, watch verse 11. Not that I speak from want, because Paul is saying God took care of all of my needs. But watch this. Not that I speak from one, for I have learned. Watch this word. He's learned something, ladies and gentlemen. You have to learn grace. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to learn how to have a good attitude. So God says, John, I'm going to teach you how to have a good attitude because I'm going to have somebody swing from left field to take the wind out of you. What are you going to do? I'm going to have somebody take something from you, man, that's yours. What are you going to do? I'm going to have somebody you love mistreat you. What are you going to do, man? I'm going to have somebody that you expect something from, and they don't bring it, man. What are you going to do? What's going to be your reaction? Paul says, look here, man, I have learned. He says, man, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. See, he's talking about grace. That dictates his attitude. Now watch this, people. There's more. He says, look, I know uh, how to get along in humble means, and I can't fake it. And, 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 And then he moves on and says, I also know how to live in prosperity. Now let me tell you something. You're in a church, man, that 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 that, that has learned pro- that had prosperity for for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about 2,500 people, some seven full-time paid pastors, some hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and everybody is daddy in this church. And God is saying, because you don't have that now, is your attitude the same that it was like it is now? You got a little bit less people. You got a little bit less money. You got a little bit less things going on. Is your attitude the same it was, Johnny, when there was 2,500 people here? Church, are you hearing me at all? We've experienced it here. And you can't fake it. And Paul just says, man, I know what's going on. Now, here's the key word to you today. Because I'm going to give you the secret here in just a minute. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being filled and the secret of going hungry. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's a secret. There's something about when somebody slaps you on the cheek, you off them the second. It's a secret about how you respond. There's just something about loving those who don't love you. There's a secret about that. That there's something that you do to those. Because, see, when you retaliate, I told you last week, when you retaliate with human stuff, man's retaliation and man's, you know, revenge is not redemptive. 
But when God does it, it's redemptive. When I want to hit somebody back because they hit me, there's no redeeming feature to that at all. I just want to get it off my chest. So Paul says there's a secret. So how do we bring this home to you today? Now last week, you got the aura that when something happens, you reverse the curse. Last week, you got the other R that talks about retaliate, but retaliate with kindness. Last week, you got the R of the rate of exchange. When somebody gives you something bad and you give them something good, you get back more than what they gave you in the badness because God multiplied the goodness back to you. And then you get the reward because he blesses you. So whether it's with power, whether it's with passion, or whether it's with possessions, it doesn't make any difference. So when he says, because we're getting ready to bring this home. So when he says, give and it be given unto you, he's not just talking about money. He's talking about attitude. Yes, he is. If you give out a bad attitude, it'll come back to you. But if you give out a good one, man, I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it up. It's going to be overflowing into your bazaar. Like I told you, I've been married for 37 years. Man, I got to watch it that I'm not manipulating my wife or my son or my daughter. And I've seen it when I've tried it. When I try to take something from my wife that she loves to do even though it's uncomfortable for me I'm telling you from experience man I'm not making this up so then now let's go back to Philippians 2 5 through 8 and get down and get ready to write the four A's <laughs> four A's here we go getting ready to do it getting ready to bring home getting ready to bring home okay because after this, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have the worship team come back up in just a second. Let me get through this. Now, let's go read this. Here's what it says. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the first A I want you to understand is this, is that when you have the right attitude, guess what happens, man? You create an atmosphere in your soul, in your heart, in your whole being, and it's the atmosphere that God wants. He said this, you have this attitude in you just like your dad. Have this attitude in you just like your boss. Have this attitude in you just like the world. He's not saying that. He's saying this attitude you need to have in you should be the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. That's the attitude you should have. Because what he's saying here, too, is that this is a mindset, man, that you need to have. And you need to make it a spiritual stronghold that cannot be moved. And you need to be settled in this thinking and feeling because what it will do, it will reflect your behavior. That's what it will do. This attitude. Creates an atmosphere. And guess what? It's a kingdom atmosphere. That's the first A. 
Now let's look at here at verse 6. He says, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. See, Jesus knew that he was the pre-existing God. He knew that. He existed before he even came to the earth in human flesh. But because of that, it says this. He did not demand or cling to his rights as God. And yet America today, everybody's got rights, man. But he never wanted to demand it there. I don't have to let my wife know I'm the head of the house, that God, God holds me responsible for that. I don't have to puff my chest out at her. See, because the head of the house means this. I'm responsible for everything that goes on in my home. That's what that means. See, and I may not make all the decisions in my home, but I'm responsible for every last decision that's made. So, so why, why do I want to pull rank on my kids? Why would I want to pull rank on my wife? Woman, watch it. Kids, back off. See, Jesus says, oh, I know I'm God. I know that. But I'm not going to use that to my advantage. So if the first A is atmosphere, watch this. The second A is anti-self. You got to realize that it's not about you. And it wasn't about him. That attitude is about serving people and not being served, but served. Church, are you with me at all? Okay. Now watch this in verse 7. Here's the third A. He says, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant, being made in the likeness of men. You need to understand what a bond servant is. A bond servant is lower than a man. Because what happens is when you owe somebody in the old days, you became their slave to pay it off. And then you would time sometimes work seven years to do it. And you would go to that person and say, I don't have any money or anything, but I'm going to become your slave, your servant for seven years. And when that seven years is up, the debt is clean. Now, after that seven years is up, you, you, you kind of like working for that person for so much. You go back and say, you know what? I want to work for you for life. And then you become a bond servant. That person will put a ring in your ear. And when people see you, they saw you, you were bonded for life. And the word bonded means that you're subject to somebody else's will, not yours. So if the first one is a, is atmosphere, the second one is anti-self, then the third one is that you got to make an adjustment. So when a man has the right attitude, wherever he goes, he creates an atmosphere of that. And then as he does that, he lets people know that it's not about him, but it's about somebody else. And therefore, so he makes the necessary adjustment for that. Jesus made an adjustment. It was a character move. He decided to take on a role that was not Lord, not king, and yet he never lost his lordship. He never lost his kingship, but he came a servant. Church, are you hearing me? See, I don't get a whole lot of amens out there. Thank you for the one or two there. Thanks for that deposit. Because I just want you to understand something, man. This is not easy. This has to be learned. And I had to learn this week. Man, I can get selfish in my relationship. Very selfish because of what I want. I don't care about what my kids want. I don't care about what my wife wants. It's what I want. And my kids who are sitting in this audience today have made it very clear to me, Dad, we don't have a problem with you correcting us. We don't have a problem with you doing this. My wife says it. But, man, when you look a certain way and you bring that kind of look and that kind of attitude, man, it just messes up the whole house. 
Y'all never done that. A whole house. And then it's a bad atmosphere. We can't solve problems. They're sitting over here. Just ask them. They'll tell you. So I have to watch it. Okay. But then it's time for me to make the adjustment. Now here's the last thing. I hope you get in this. Here's the last thing. And the last thing is this. It says here in verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he did what? He humbled himself. See, now there's a scripture that says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. See, God is saying it's better for you to humble yourself than for me to do it for you. That's basically what he's saying here. <laughs> Humble yourself uh, by becoming what? Obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, what does that mean here? Because him being recognized as a man. Now, now, this is God in the flesh. This is the king of kings, Lord of lords. He was recognized as man. Humanity saw him. He came into our history, and he had true humanity that expressed his humility. And as obedient, he, it was characterized, what? In his death. Even death on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, attitude creates an atmosphere which leads you to anti-self, causes you to make an adjustment, meaning that you're subordinate in the midst of equality. The fourth one is an accepted Appearance. Now watch this. When I say accepted appearance, that means you can't fake humility. You heard me talk about crocodile tears. You've heard me talk about false piety. You're really not humble. You're just crying enough to get what you want. You're really not humble. You're just manipulating the behavior, and you're not really showing real humility. Now, let me say this. Moses was known, Elijah was known as a man who was ordinary, but they were known as the most humblest men you'll ever meet. There's somebody else I want you to know that I've met in this lifetime is like that, and his name is Dr. Billy Graham. I was about as far from him as the moles are sitting right here. And let me tell you something, man. There's something contagious. There's something that attracts you to this man. And when he talks, the humility is huge. I remember the last time they had him on a podcast or something. He said, you know what? And he's, 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 he, I think he's approaching his 90s. And he says, man, the one question that I have when I get to heaven, I just want to ask God one question, man. Why did you choose me out of all the people in the world? Why me? We're talking about literally millions and millions of people coming to the Lord because of this guy. Millions of people. Broken man. You can't fake humility. You know why? Because when you're truly humble, the appearance sticks out. People can see it. And my wife can tell when I'm humble. My kids can tell when I'm humble. Don't have to fake it. So Jesus says this. Your attitude should bring a kingdom atmosphere. Your attitude should render you anti-self. Your attitude should make you make an adjustment. And your attitude should appear where people can see it. So when you reverse the curse... 
with grace. And with grace, you retaliate with kingdom retaliation. And you realize that there's a rate of exchange there for what you do. God rewards you. That's grace in action. Attitude in action is the atmosphere of your soul and the anti-self and the adjustment as well as the appearance. So I'm going to as the worship team to come on back up and I'm going to ask Alex to close the service today and we're going to take up our offering. But here is the motive of these messages. ESS Christ Fellowship is on the move. We're getting ready to plant churches all up and down the front range, man. And we're not going to plant churches for the sake of just having a group of people in Trinidad, sex change capital of the world. We're planting churches for the sake of the transformation of that city. That's what we're doing. And I want the mother church right here to be free. Free of selfishness, free of power. Okay. That you give your talent freely here. You take your influence and use it for the kingdom here. And you take your possessions. And you're free. I want you to be financially free. But financially free ain't because of how much money you have or you don't. Financial freedom means I am free from the worry, the care of finances. It's not mine. It's God's. My talent is not mine. It's God's. My influence is not mine. It's God's. I'm here simply to manage it. That's it. And it's for his glory. So in the weeks and months to come, it's the grace of God that's going to allow us to buy property and a building with cash. It's already in the making. It's already happening. And you're going to be able to participate in that. And it's a blessing. And I believe that blessing came because I was able to stand in front of my people here in front of the membership and tell them the honest truth about why we had to move. And you know what they said? It don't matter. We love you anyway. Man, that turned stuff in the kingdom. I was humble. I was broken. A year later, somebody stepped in and said, I know what you're doing. I'm excited about it. We're going to help you buy a building outright cash. I want you to understand it works. I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't even hoping for that. Okay? It's real. So, Father, we ask you to bless our offering. And we want to give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.